Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Today we're talking about fathers. We've been focusing on what are the things that we need to understand as a man to make us better husbands, to make us better leaders, to make us better individuals, to make us better friends. Today we're going to talk about what can we do or what can we know or what can we see in Scripture that's going to teach us how to be a better father. Now, what's interesting about any time somebody steps forward and says, I'd like to give you some parenting advice, um, inevitably, like, you kind of have to be like, what do you know? Really, what do you know? Uh, I'll just be uh, very upfront. Not a lot. Uh, in fact, anytime, anytime I think to myself like, if we should talk about parenting, I think, yeah, that's what you should do. Yeah, you, you don't even know what you're doing is working yet. Like, your kids are still in your home. Like, you don't even know. Like, they may just break loose and be like, that guy's an idiot. Don't go back, you know? It's a very good possibility. But I can tell you what I have seen in my life with my kids who are 14 and 10. I can only go that far. Which means... Those of you who are in a different place, you have a greater responsibility. You older fathers have a greater responsibility. Because if there is something that we are missing and you're not contributing, oh, you're going you're gonna to get it, you know? Like God is going to come after you and be like, you've got this wisdom, you've got this teaching, you've got this experience, and you're offering it to nobody? It's called being a poor steward. He doesn't really deal well with poor stewards. Now, that's not to suggest that you're going to show up and be like, yeah, I've got all the answers. You know what sometimes we need to learn as young fathers? Where did you fail? Right? Where did you fail biggest? How can I avoid that? Which means it takes a little bit of, little bit of humility to get yourself in that place for some of you older fathers to get in that place and say, I think I get something to contribute to this. I think I could help with this. I don't have a whole lot of parenting advice. But I can point to some things in Scripture that I see that are problematic. I can point to some things and say, yeah, this isn't, that's not going to go well. I could also sit down and I could tell you that some of the things that I have learned about being a father, um, I have learned from, from some very unlikely, uh, unlikely sources. Like one of the considerations I was making in writing, in writing this sermon was three things I learned about being a dad from my wife. Because there's been a slew of things I've learned about being a dad from my wife. I'll share one with you. There was this moment as a, as a very, very young first-time father. My oldest was just a couple of years old. She came running through the room, clunking around in her little bitty stiff tennis shoes that have absolutely no movement whatsoever. You know what I mean? It's just like little plastic, you know, hooves, you know, tack, 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 down the floor. She goes racing down the hallway, and she trips, and she bites it and bites it big. Now, as a dad, growing up with a dad who was a rather rough, get up, that kind of guy, that's what I know. And so I offer my two cents. My wife jumps up off the sofa and she goes racing to the rescue. I say, hey, 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 leave her alone. Let her toughen up. How many of you ever had this situation? Let her toughen up. She's, she's fine. Listen, the last thing we need is just to pamper her every single time she falls down. We say, oh, are you okay? 
she's never going to be tough. She's always going to be weak, and it's going to be terrible. Let's not do that. And I'm having this conversation with my wife as my wife is racing to the floor to pick her up and dust her off, to which my wife turns around, and somehow in all of her wisdom, and I think God was helping her, she turns and she looks at me and she goes, I am not racing to her rescue because I think she needs rescued. I'm racing to her rescue so she knows how to show compassion. <laughs> the freaking genius! Inevitably, that must not have been enough, because a couple weeks later, my daughter had a couple of friends over, and they were doing things where they run through the little galley kitchen and back around, and they run back through, and they make another lap, and one of them crashes and falls, and all these little kids are come racing by, and one of them stopped. And it was mine. She leans down. Are you okay? And I thought. <laughs> Listen to your wife more often. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. How does she know that? Well, she just knew it. Things that happen, like being a dad can be kind of a difficult thing. There was a time not long ago, my wife and I were driving down the road, and we've kind of reached some of these, these early teenage years, and so there's different conversations going on. And so there was a request, can I do this and this and this and go with these people and these people and these people? And then now we're getting into co-ed company, you know, which typically means I need more ammo or, or no, no. Oh, will there be boys there? Yes. No. 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 You, can, you can go nowhere where there's boys, ever, the rest of your, the rest of your life. And so there's this just like strange conversation, and my wife and I are looking at each other with this look on our face like, wow, there's a chasm of crap we don't know. Like, what's the answer? Like, what do we do in this situation? And it was just pure, it was just pure accidental genius. My wife and I just, I mean, I don't know if we just read each other's minds or whatever, and I, and I just said... We don't know what we're doing. My daughter says, fair enough. My wife says, we've never done this before. My daughter says, fair enough. I said, we need some time to think about this. Fair enough. My wife's looking at me and she's like, we... Can we need a couple of days. All of a sudden, it felt like we were being interrogated. Like, can we have a few minutes to get our story straight? Don't put us on the spot right now. We have no clue what we're doing. You know, she was very gracious with us, our daughter. She was very gracious with us. She was just like, it's fine. It's fine. Listen, I've never been in this spot either. And we were like, wow. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, this is the way it went. Hey, would it be okay? No. All right. Fair enough. I'm going to go when you leave, you know. That settles that, doesn't it, you know? And it was just really great because there was just this, this graciousness that kind of landed in the middle, which is not kind of how I operate. I like to just kind of be like, cut and dry, here we go, stop, no, yes, go, fine, whatever, no, not going to work. This turned into like, ah, uh, my head turned into a big question mark, like, I don't know, I, do you know? Like, I don't know. We've never done this before. This great responsibility that God hands over to us as dads to have some answers. And then we show up and we're like, I'm pretty sure she's smarter than me. 
And if she's not, she does a better job of hiding it than I do. I, I don't know. Great conversation with a friend of mine not long ago. We're talking about how sometimes we parent our kids and it's, it's geared towards what we needed as a kid instead of what they need as a kid. You follow me with that? Let me give you an example. I'm kind of a sensitive boy, all right? I kind of need to be told I'm pretty and tall and, and all these things on a regular. I need this kind of encouragement on the regular. You know what you're going to get me for Christmas? Just that would work. Just, oh, you're so tall. Thank you. This is just kind of my wiring. I've always been rather sensitive towards that kind of stuff. My father, on the other hand, was different. He raised his three younger brothers from about the age of 12 up when he was 12. There's really not a lot, lot of time for the niceties in life when you got these three younger siblings who are just absolute boneheads. You've got to figure out how do you feed them, send them to school, and do these kind of things. And so when we get to this place, great father, very good at saying I love you, very committed to the church, very committed to my mother, never saw him drink, never saw him smoke, never saw him chew tobacco. Great father. Here's the difference. I kind of needed more words. Do you know what my kids will never go without? Words. Words. Oh, you're beautiful. Dad, you said that 11 times this morning. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're pretty. Like, yo, I, I'm not you, all right, Dad? I don't need all this, all right? Like, I know you're a fragile little soul, but, like, I'm not. Like, I'm good, you know? And there's this weird thing we do where sometimes we will parent our kids based on what we needed and completely miss who they are. So complicated. Being a dad is so hard, especially when you're, you know, not real sharp to begin with, you know? But it's a great responsibility. It's also a great lens to learn who God is. As you have your own kids and you can look at their mistakes and you can say to yourself, how would I want God to handle me? I need to be that kind of father to them. Today we're talking about the three ways that men teach their children. Three ways that men teach their children. The first one is this, it is by example. We teach by example. You can talk all day long to your children about what they need to do and what they need to be, but if those same principles that you're telling them do not match up in your life, it doesn't work. You need to spend time with good people. Don't go places and do dangerous things. You got to be safe and don't be, you know, talking bad about people. And then as soon as you get home from work, you're like, you know what? Me and the buddies are going to the garage. A jackass at work, I'm done with him. And your kids are like, sweet. The principle and the example don't match. Be nice to your sister. Oh, you mean like you are nice to mom? Uh, don't yell at your sister. Oh, like you don't yell at mom? The example's gotta match the life and the principle of the teaching. We lead by example. This is verse in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 through 
through 20. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It is your conversation. It's your daily conversation with your kids. Do you know what's missing? You know what's missing from here, from this, uh, from this verse. I don't think my kids are going to understand the scriptures if I sit down and I just teach them scriptures. I don't think they're going to understand them. That might be partly true. They might not. There are some very weighty principles in, in, in the Bible that it would be very hard for a child to pick up on them. But you know what does happen? Even though my father was a man of very few words, you know what I do know? Going to church was important. Do you know how I know that? Because I watched him do it. Saying I love you was important. I heard him do it. I listened to him say it. Tithing was important because I watched him do it. Being faithful to my mother was something that was important because I watched him do it. The example matched. Though there might not have been the words, I can still look back and I can say, look at all these things he did right. He still, was man he still managed to put it all together and be this example. There's nothing worse than having this hypocritical dictator over the top. All these rules apply to you, but as for me and my family, we don't have to have government health care. Right? Nothing more irritating than knowing that the people who are going to lead us don't have to follow the same rules as us. That's a problem. We teach by example. One of the best things that we can do as dads is focus in on this key verse right here where it says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. As a dad, one of the best things I can do is fix these words, the scripture, in my heart and in my mind. What that means is that there's this connection to when we go out, they will see the stuff in my life, whether it comes out of my mouth or not, they will see these things true in my life. The best things we can do, one of the best things we can do as a dad is to have an example, put an example before our kids of a thriving relationship with God. And let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean we have all the answers. There are these moments we just do not have the right answer. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should call somebody else. I just don't know. If there's anything that I can teach my kids as a father that I think would be brilliant, would be how do they get those answers and where do they go to get them? And if I have to take a pause from what's going on and stop all of the, the continuity of life to say, I don't know exactly what we do in this situation, we probably better take a day to pray about it. I'm teaching my kids something. I'm teaching my kids where to go and how to get the answers that they need. That's what we do. What is more important than having the right answer is teaching them how to get the right answer. Not comes through focusing on God. So the first thing we do is we teach by example. The second thing is this, Psalms 78.4. If you look right up here on our, our crest with the bow and arrow, Psalm 78.4, that's a verse that's pretty important to us around here. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will talk, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and his wonders that he has done. 
Second thing we do is we teach with our words. We teach with our example first, but we also teach with our words. There are certain things that we can do and we can say, and when they match up, it works perfect. But with our words, it's very, very important for young fathers. This can be as simple as saying, we have to be thankful for the things and the people that are in our life. If we're going to teach our kids, it would be very, very cool if we could sit down and we could say, I would like to talk to you about some very, very deep theology, right? Um, today's topic is going to be eschatology. We're going to talk about the returning of Christ, okay? And your little four-year-old's like, that's very good, Dad. Are we pre-millennial or not? That'd be very, very cool. <laughs> a probably a short conversation, too. I don't really know. I don't know. I don't really know what we are. But the truth of it is this. One of the things that we do is we teach our little ones, no matter age, we teach our little ones, we be thankful. We need to pray. We need to be thankful for what God has done in our life. That is a fine way to teach our kids. Older fathers, for you, here's one of the things that we need. We need to understand where you're at with yours. What are some of the things you can teach us that you can tell us, that you, can, that you have said to your kids, that you have stayed in their life and encouraged them through the years? You're doing a great job with your family. I'm proud of you. I bet if we pulled the room, one of the things that we would find is that all of us, in some, in some point, when life got very, very stressful, as either an adult, middle-aged adult, young adult, as it started to get stressful, we thought to ourselves, like, this is a lot harder than I thought. I am not prepared. I am not prepared for this. There's also this weird regret that happens, and you see it. You see it happen in men as they get older. And the fathers pass. I really wish my dad could have seen what I've done with my family. I really wish my dad would have noticed. I sat with a guy not long ago, and he was telling me, you know what? Great, this is a great, great guy. Big, strong, just manly man, deer hunter, just tough guy. And he says, you know what one of the hardest things in my, my whole life has been? I said, no, what's that? He said, my dad was everything to me. He said, but there was these moments where he would just snap. And the words that would come out of his mouth were so demeaning. This is the guy that taught me how to hunt, that taught me how to shoot a gun, taught me everything. He took me places and did things with me that were so incredible. But every once in a while, he would hit the brakes and these words would just come flying out. You dirty, no good, SOP. He said that sometimes when I screw something up, if I mess something up, it just comes racing back. We're imprinted with that kind of stuff. It's hard to kick. It's hard to get rid of. And so we have to learn how do we use our words. And so we have to learn how to teach other people. Um, there's, there's, this, there's this sense that encouragement is super important. If you've had little kids, which some of you have, you've had little kids, you spend a whole lot of time with little ones doing this. Hey, hey, don't, stop, quit, don't, stop, quit, quit, stop, don't, don't, don't. Hey, seriously, what, is she dumb? Stop, why are you, what is happening? Stop it, quit it, quit it, stop it. Over, and to where you're just so tired of it. And one of two things happens. You either just like, I don't care. Like, I don't, I, you, can, you can shave the cat if you want. I don't care, it doesn't. I don't care, I don't care. Yeah, spray paint it, it doesn't make any difference. I can, I'm not gonna stop you, I can tell I'm not gonna stop you. And this is, this, is, this is kind of the thing. We learn to do these things. 
But there should be a ratio, don't you think? Don't you think there should be a ratio that if all your kid ever hears growing up is don't stop, quit, like it starts to sound like a hip-hop song, doesn't it? You know? I mean, like, like you just, at some point, there's got to be the other side of that. Which means this, as dads, our responsibility is to find a way to encourage our kid as often. You see, one of the things that doesn't happen is we typically don't have dads that come sweeping in and they Billy, super job being nice to your sister. I appreciate that. What typically happens is just the opposite. When Billy gets out of line, here comes dad racing to the, what's going on in here? Knock it off. Be nice to your sister. Go to your room. Go outside and play. Run laps, whatever it is. This is typically the way it goes. But there should be this balance between are you encouraging your child as much as you are telling them or saying to them, you need to stop correcting this kind of behavior. There's this really, 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 really crazy thing that happens um, in, in 1 Kings 2. 1 Kings 2 records a conversation with David as an old, old man. He's about to die. King David, he's about to die. And his son Solomon is going to take the throne. And this just, this just emphasizes how important words are from dads. And David looks at Solomon before he dies and he says to him, you are a man of wisdom. You will handle everything right. And David says this to his son Solomon, who is not the king yet, but who will be. You are a man of wisdom. Now this is so cool. One chapter later, 1 Kings chapter 3. David is passed. Solomon is going to take the throne and become the king. God comes to him and says to him, I will give you whatever it is that you ask for. What does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. In fact, if you read through Solomon's writings, there is one topic that he talks about seemingly more than all the rest. What is it? Wisdom. Do you think his father put him in that position, set his trajectory that way? This is who you are, and that's what Solomon became. There's this thing that just kind of angles us, and the words from the father are important. In fact, the whole life of Solomon, and my guess is this, you could probably trace back some of the things in life to where you have failed the most. You could probably trace them back to, yeah, that was an untouched area in my life. I had no idea. But the things that you succeed at, my guess is there was a voice somewhere in your history that pointed you in those directions. Can you disassemble an engine and put it back together? Someone showed you how, I'm guessing. Someone taught you these things. Someone spoke these words into your life. And this is what we became. And this is, a, this is just a reality. That as David says, you are a man of wisdom, Solomon turns one chapter later and he begins to pursue wisdom. He writes about wisdom. There's another way that we must also teach with our words, and that is, and this is, this is important, and this is an area that, that I've failed many, 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 many times. And that is how we speak to their mother. How we speak to our children's mother. That matters. It matters. They will take their cues on what kind of husband they will be or what kind of husband they will go for based on the words of dads. What do you want your daughter to be okay with? 
A man who yells and barks and screams and gets physical? Is that the example you're setting at home? Is that something you want them to be able to say? Yeah, it's fine. It's kind of strange. There's this weird line in there somewhere that as a dad, as a husband, I can grow very frustrated like all of us do, grow very frustrated. I can be very angry and I can bark at my wife. But I'm telling you right now, if my daughter ever has a boyfriend or a husband who does that, you'll have to come see me in prison. The standard is broken and that's wrong. I can set the trajectory of their life based on how I speak to their mother. And I have to be very aware of that. Be very aware of that. There's a third way that dads teach their kids, and that is with discipline. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says, Son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Last week I used this verse, I'd mentioned this, and I'd, I think I'd said something along the lines of that Jesus had said this. What's interesting is that it is Solomon who said this. It is Solomon who writes, do not, do not uh, grow angry or weary with the father's rebuke because he disciplines those he loves. Solomon wrote that. Now, here's what's interesting about Solomon writing such a thing about dads. Solomon had many brothers. Many. In fact, I want to give you just a quick run on the history of Solomon's other brothers to kind of bring this into light to show you just how weird it is that Solomon would say discipline is a positive thing. In the scriptures, in... Um, Second uh, Samuel 13, there's this very, very disturbing story. This violent, incestuous relationship unfolds between one of David's sons, his name's Amnon, and Amnon's half-sister, David's daughter, Tamar. The scripture says that David grew very furious at Amnon. But he didn't never do anything about it. He looked right past it. He never went to Amnon and said, what did you do to your sister? Not once. Because of his weakness in this area, the other brother, Absalom, shows up, grows very angry at Amnon, and has him killed. Because of the bitterness of his father's own inaction, this bitterness that Absalom grows inside of him due to David's inaction, all of a sudden Absalom gets this idea that, you know what, my father's weak. My father's weak. I think I'll take his throne. And he goes to take David's throne and sends David out of the palace on the run from his own son. But David has loyal men. And even though David requested, please don't kill Absalom, his men did anyway. And David lost two sons. He has a shamed daughter. He has two dead sons. And the next son in line, Adonijah, decides, my father does seem kind of weak, and I am the next one in line. 
I think I'll go for the throne too. And he shoots for the throne. And he begins to strategize and get military, start a military coup to try to overthrow his father's own kingdom. All the while, David does nothing. Nothing. Listen to this terrible verse. 1 Kings 1.6. Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be the king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. Verse 6. His father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? His father never interfered with him and said, why do you behave like you do? If anybody can say discipline is a solid thing, it's Solomon, because he watched it unfold in his own house. All my brothers needed spankings, and they never got them. All my brothers needed discipline, and they never got them. Of all the sons and daughters that are there, you know what son seems to take the spotlight? Solomon. You know what conversations unfold between David and Solomon? Great spiritual conversations. David tells Solomon things like, you're a man of wisdom. There's a situation right here and you're going to need to handle it. There's a guy who's in your group right now who's a traitor and you're going to have to put him down. And if you follow all of God's ways, we will never cease to have a man on the throne. David stayed in Solomon's life and disciplined Solomon and Solomon walked away and understood discipline is important. Now, I understand this can be a pretty taboo and dangerous topic. It can be a pretty, pretty tough one because here's what happens. In our youth and vigor and culture and whatever it is, we make decisions like this. Oh, we're definitely not going to spank. That is not good. You wait till you get a hellion on your hands. You might change your mind. I came out the other way. Oh, I'm smoking them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn them down. I mean, they get out of line. Hey, and then here's what's bad. Like, they didn't need it. Like, like it was it, nothing. Like, I just, it wasn't much to do. I'd already made up my mind. So discipline has to incorporate some pretty practical things. Number one, it should work. You know what, Billy? Go to your room. Good, that's where I wanted to be. Not real productive, honestly. Go to your room. Oh, where the TV is and the refrigerator and the Xbox? Oh, mommy, please, no. You know what? You get time out. Good, because I was tired of doing chores. You know what? Do chores. Good, I'm trying to get out of here. It's fine. So we have to find something that works. It has to be useful. See, Solomon understood something. That any time there is no discipline, and you will experience this too, if you miss the discipline thing, you will experience this. If you do not discipline a child, two things happen. Number one, chaos. Your child will move forward to create chaos everywhere he goes. Promise you. If you do not discipline your kid, now I'm not saying you can't you wake him up in the morning like, you know what, 25 push-ups and a spanking just because I feel like it. That's not what I mean. I mean for the reason for correction. You are wrong. This is the discipline. I love you. Now let's move on. 
there's always going to be chaos. They will create chaos. You know what else will happen? Is if a father does not discipline his kids, if a father does not discipline his kids, listen close to this, they will grow to embitter you. They will grow embittered towards you. They will find this thing of why is it I can do whatever I want and you don't come back to me. You don't push against me. I need to know where the lines on the highway are, Dad, and you're not telling me anything. How do I navigate this world if I don't know right and wrong, if you just keep breaking every time I push? They'll know nothing and they will be bitter towards you. They have to know where the lines are. Number one, it has to be pragmatic. I mean, it has to be useful, productive. It has to work. The discipline has to work. Second thing is this is it has to keep their dignity in check. Now, I love the conversation because I, I, I go back and forth on it. The conversation of, I will not discipline my kids in front of other people because I don't think that's right. I think that's one way to keep dignity in check. Dignity can be, keeping their dignity in check can simply be moving to the other room and saying, this is out of control and handling your discipline elsewhere. Here's what else dignity means. It also means that when you go to discipline them, you don't throw the world apart on your way to them. Fathers, do you, do you follow what I'm saying here? Dads have this cool way. The dads I've known in my past have had this cool way of as they go to discipline, you know they're coming because everything is broken between them and you on their way to you. Brothers, TVs, chairs, for you know, just staying like, oh, good, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. Dignity, keeping the dignity in check, means that we don't have to scare our children when we discipline them. Dads, do you know what I mean? We don't have to scare them. It doesn't have to be a thing of just terror and this reign of terror. That is not the view that we want. Is that the view of God that you prefer? That when you mess up, suddenly there's this idea that now God is raging out of control, mad at you. That's not what Scripture portrays. That's not, what, that's not what Scripture portrays. And if we are to mimic the Heavenly Father, then our actions must be different. Third thing is this. Consistency. You must be consistent. This is my understanding. You must be consistent. It can't be wrong one time and not wrong the next time. And by consistency, I also mean this. You can't one minute say, this is the standard. This is the standard right here. And then later on be like, eh, this is the standard. Or this is the standard and now this is the standard. There's got to be consistency in the discipline. Consistency also means that we stay on top of every single situation that unfolds and we learn how to say, Great job here, correction over here. Great job here, correction over here. Consistency matters when it comes to that. Now, for some of you older fathers who are sitting there thinking, listen, you know nothing. You're right. I said that in the beginning. Let me go back and tell you this. We are young fathers, and we do need your insight. We do need you to take us aside and say, hey, I want to share this with you. Here's one of the bigger mistakes that I've made. Here's one of the successes that I've had. Here's the thing that has mattered most that made a world of difference. That's a responsibility that lands on your shoulders. 
that also produces your lineage in our life, your spiritual lineage in our life. That's something we desperately need for such a huge topic, for such a huge topic. There was this moment, and then we'll close, where David makes a mistake. And he crosses up a line, and God shows up and says, I'm going to give you three options on how I'm going to deal with you. And he says, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. You'll be on the run from your enemies. There's going to be this natural thing that happens. Or you can be dealt with by my own hand. What do you want, David? You know what David chose? I think I want to be dealt with by the hand of God, not be chased by my enemies. And then David gives his reason, and it's this. Because it's possible that God will be merciful and gracious because that's the history that I have with him. And for us, when our kids say the same thing, when they get with their friends and they say, Now, don't tell your parents. Don't tell your parents. Don't tell your dad. Don't tell anyone. If we get caught, then, and all these little scheming things that happen as they unfold, do you want your child to be the one that sits there and says, I think I'm going to let my mom and dad know because you know what? They have a history of being gracious and merciful to me I know it's going to be okay with them they might be mad but I know I can trust their consistency I can trust their, that they're going to keep my dignity intact I can trust that in them I choose I choose what my mom and dad would do see that's the hope that I have for my kids I want them to understand that you know what we can trust mom and dad it's going to be consistent it's going to be consistent the biggest picture in all this is not the father that David was, but rather the spiritual father that God was to David in every single one of his mistakes. God came to him, forgave him his sin, and restored him and redeemed him. If you as a father feel like at any point in your life, I've messed it up and I think I've blown my opportunity, do you know good and well that God has this amazing ability to bring about a second go-round sometimes? An opportunity to say to you, you know what, that's okay. Now you have another opportunity. I've surrounded you with young fathers everywhere who need to know what you know. Have a wonderful